Oh, it's Sykes. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Hey, Maniacs. Hey, Maniacs. It's Midsummer Maniacs. Midsummer Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week, we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. I'm Sarah. And I'm Mark. You notice we never say our last names? Nope. Should no, we? No, nah, people know mine, but not yours am as a, much. Am I a secret? I don't even know if we should be calling this murders. There's no murders. There's attempted murders, but... But there are corpses. There are. Because this week we're talking about season 18, episode one, habeas corpus. If you let your kids watch the episode, then they should be able to listen to the podcast, no problem. And second of all, we are a spoiler podcast. So if you haven't watched this episode, go watch it. And if you have watched this episode and think we're going to give away who the killer is, you're wrong. Because there isn't one. Hey. The attempted killer. Also, it's Tuesday. Yes. Which we're, is a day later than you usually hear from us. Yes. Sorry. We are releasing on Tuesday because we were a little busy this weekend. <laughs> a little is if October wasn't crazy enough, we survived October, turned right around, and got an eight-week-old puppy. Whose name is Olive. So we were trying to think of a strong woman name, female name, puppy dog name. Yep. And there were no good names in Midsummer, oh frankly, gosh, that no. we could choose from. No. But I happened to be listening to the Agatha Christie Poirot Halloween party. Yes. And I love Ariadne Oliver, but Ariadne is almost too many syllables for a dog. Yeah, I don't want to be yelling at that. It's too much of a mouthful. Nope. And Oliver's for a boy, but Olive. Yes, and that's perfect. That is why she is called Olive, and I posted on Instagram pictures of her. So if you follow me on Instagram, the the Midsummer Maniacs on Instagram. If you don't. Why are you not? I'm biased, but I think she's quite possibly the cutest puppy ever to exist. She may, in fact, be the cutest puppy to exist. She's a French bulldog. Yes. A chocolate brindle French bulldog. Yes. Ooh la la. And she's beautiful. Beautiful. But it's like having a baby in the house. Yes. She's kept us up a little bit late and got us up in the night. Yep. We're getting there, though. Just no, it, She's she, only been home 36 she hours and she's already... spectacularly good dog already. I say 36 hours as we record on Sunday. Yeah, we're recording on Sunday. For release on for Tuesday. release on Tuesday. Anything else before we dive into uh, the corpus? Last week we had a newsletter go out, yeah. which was good. And uh, I made a mistake. And I want to talk about this mistake. So next episode is the incident at Cooper's Hill, mm -hmm. which I thought, I've got this wrong so many times is the episode in which it has all the references to other episodes. But it's not. No. That episode is, in fact, Death of a Small Copper. Are you sure? Yes. And what episode is that? That is 118, season 20, episode 2. Ah. So it'll be a while. Good, because we should do something big for that. We should. We'll probably do a live one for that, and I think we might do a live one at Christmas. Yeah, I think so. Yep. 
We have started working on the lyrics for our Christmas song. Yes. I have, anyway. Yes. I do the lyrics. So. <laughs> you do the music. Yep, and the video. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for Little Molten? I am indeed. So, uh, first of all, this is Cam Caramore's first episode. Mm -hmm. And Cam Caramore is played by... Majinder Verk. Yes. And so, she replaces Kate Wilding. Who is apparently off with the bearded Jones. Yeah, she's off at Brighton University. I gotta tell you. Living I, with Jones until she finds a place to live, apparently. I looked at that picture a little too long. Because you were like, oh. Well, mostly I was like, Jones looks pretty hunky in that with that beard there. Is that why you were looking at him? No. I, I wanted to see if it was a Photoshop. It is not a no, Photoshop. No, it's not. No. It is definitely them and definitely a picture taken on a cell phone of them. I looked through their IMDb credits to see if they were in something together at around that time or before then. I couldn't find anything. No. Nope. If you... if. Listeners, if you find something, I missed it. I didn't see anything. But, you know, a lot of things are filmed on the same sound stages and the same production companies, so they might have just run across each other. They but I think it's great that they have that photo there. It's fun. So that let's is... talk about Cam. Yes. What do you think about Cam? I actually kind of like Cam. Okay. Um, she's kind of brash. She's our first woman of color mm -hmm. as a major character in the episode. Which is which awesome. I'm, think is fantastic but they didn't say hey we've hired a woman of color no and it's not like she's like arguing with her parents and eating curry every two seconds right which she's, you see too often she's a real person yeah i like that and very competent oh super competent and by the time we meet her in this episode our impression is that she's been there for a little bit already yes right? because her Barnaby, winters of uh uh, Nelson. Sorry. Barnaby and, Nelson. And, and it's winter. Winter. <laughs> Bingo. He's going to find my house. Barnaby and Nelson are able to tell Sarah about her already, even though yeah. Sarah hasn't met her. Yeah. But we start. I'm not done talking about Cam. Okay. okay. So let's talk about Cam. <sighs> I have a problem with Cam. What? What is the problem? I don't dislike her as a character. I think she's great. And yep. I'm glad that they added her. I think she's a good replacement for Kate. She's different from Kate. And that's awesome. And she's not just another white dude, which is awesome. But she is so competent and proficient that I find her a little irritating. Really? Not right off the bat. Not in this episode right away. But in kind of a funny way. And I think they play on it later. Okay. You'll find her purposely sort of irritating them later. Okay. What really bothers me, well, there's a couple of things. Okay. One, she gets under that bed and we never know why. She's under the bed looking for some kind of evidence with a power tool and we don't know why. No. Nope. We never find out why we she's doing that. We never find out. Then she says something about the warp and weft of the carpet and she's wrong. Okay. It's the pile of the carpet. You don't see the warp and weft unless you turn it over. And warp and weft is only weaving side yeah right that's the yeah. woven base that the carpet yeah. is is based on that's the structure behind the piling yeah that's me we, being picky we know a little too much about carpet. <laughs> <laughs> i know about weaving i've yes. used a loom yes. i understand warp and yes. weft no what irritates me in this first episode that i don't think they call her out on and they should is that she takes Pink Ted from Barnaby's car, puts him in an evidence bag, and offers to drop him off at the station so Sarah can come and get Pink Ted to make Betty happy, right? Yes. That is the... the at the end of the episode, we find out that she swabbed Pink Ted and tested him for chemicals 
and bacteria. Yes, we do find that out. That's not legal. No, it's not legal. But that's not important. No, no. What is important is why did she do that? <laughs> like, what did she think she was going to find stuff out on Barnaby or what? I don't know. Even if she said, I know that your daughter plays with her and I just wanted to make sure that she was clean. Now, did they have the discussion about Pink Ted going missing. I can't believe we're talking so much about Pink Ted, the B-plot of this episode. But anyway, Pink Ted, really the C-plot, because the B-plot mm-hmm. is the boys. But th- they have that discussion that Pink Ted goes missing. Mm-hmm. So maybe she took it, she was over- Like there's a mystery around Pink Ted and she yeah. wants to help solve yeah, it? Maybe. I'm not lending her any of my stuff, that's for sure. See, that's exactly my problem. Because I think she does it to be helpful, and I think it's overly helpful. Like, what other stuff does she swab? Like, if you go on a date with her and she drops her bag, are a bunch of, like, swab tubes just going to roll out because she's been swabbing stuff all night? And if she goes to, like, okay, say Cam comes over to my house on a date, and does she swab the bathroom? Uh, Your toothbrush? Yeah, that's a little weird. Here are a few scenarios where I think Cam would be annoying as a friend. Okay. Because of her swabbing habit. Okay. <laughs> Cam's swabbing habit. You borrow a dress from Cam. Oh. You bring it back. Cam says, how was the wedding? How did you know I wore the dress to a wedding? <laughs> well, I swabbed it for analysis when you brought it back, and I found fragments of bird seed and dust from rice, threads from catering quality, tablecloths, sheep campaign, and sweat from 10 different men. I hope you were at a wedding. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> that's the kind of thing that, I think she would do. That's what just happened, except with Big Pink Ted. You're her roommate. She goes away for a weekend. While she's gone, maybe you enjoy having the apartment to yourself. She comes home and she goes, when were you going to tell me about your new boyfriend? How do you know I have a new boyfriend? And she waves the luminol and black light around. <laughs> I think she, she would do that. If she's taking the luminol and the black light home, that's that's problem. You don't think she has one at home? <laughs> I think she she's got digital calipers and thinks they're fancy. I've got digital calipers. Thank you very much. Ooh la la. I just think she's eager to 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 be part of the team in this instance. Cam goes to a baby shower. Your baby will have such beautiful hazel eyes. How do you know? Oh, because I swapped, swapped you and um, so-and-so when you were first dating and did all the Punnett squares so I knew what your children would look <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, she would do that. She would do that. Yep. I just think she's a little... She, I think you're right. I think she's eager. I think she's extremely competent, trying to be helpful. I find it creepy that she swabs Pink Ted. And I think they take the edge off of it by saying, Oh, it's Sykes. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Well, I'm glad it's not Barnaby spit on it. (laughs) That's true. She could have found completely different stuff, right? Well, I found this, this, and this. So I know that John's been taking it on, you know, secret dates with other women and that he needs to go see the doctor soon. (laughs) Or you're pregnant again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I just, uh, I don't want to be a roommate, uh, you know. I don't want to borrow anything from her. <laughs> I just think she's got a, like, like her backpack is just full of swabs all the time. You know, just in case. 
The thing is, is that when you run that kind of test, you have to have a case number and stuff for it. Yeah. So she would run it. She's got her own little DNA lab in the lab. Or at home. Because <laughs> they're expensive, too. She didn't do DNA analysis on it. No. But I do think that she has the equipment to, like, swab some KFC and know exactly what the secret spices though, are. Though we have had a number of stuffed animals in this house, and we know what dog saliva looks like. That's true. That's I could run my hand across it and go, oh, that's dog's bit. Yeah. That's definitely dog's bit. This is our first episode that starts with death rattle. Yes. <laughs> death rattle of... Gregory Lancaster and his beautiful bedding. Did you notice how pretty his bedding oh, is? Oh, he is. He has a velvet comforter. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. That is a gorgeous room that is violated by a tree surgeon. <laughs> yeah. I'm a nerd, so I looked at everything on his bedside tables. I didn't yeah. see anything no. suspicious. I could not read the titles of his books. I tried. So the Lancasters are Gregory, <laughs> a.k.a. the corpse. Yep. Hermione, his wife. Yes. Their son, Felix, daughter, Rose, her partner, Craig. Didn't she marry? Uh... No, she's not married to Craig, Mark. I thought she was married <laughs> to Ross, but she was also not married to Ross. Yes. Uh, so the actress who plays Rose Lancaster, Helen Bexendale, was, what was her name? Emily and Friends? I think so, Emily She was Friends. Ross's girlfriend, fiance, fiance, I don't know. But in this, Rose is a midwife. And Craig, her not husband, is a tree surgeon. He's not a husband. He's a solo tree surgeon. He's a solo tree surgeon. Just not a good idea. I, I gotta think it's not a good idea. I did a quick Google for one-man tree surgeon. Yeah. And the first thing I found was on arboristsite.com, which is a discussion board for tree surgeons. And the post was like, do you guys ever work alone if you have to? And the very first response was, you'll die someday as a result. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Don't prevaricate. Like the tree guy that came to our house, he came alone to do the observation and the, the estimate. But then he brought a crew with him when he was doing the work. Yeah. The fact that this guy hangs from trees with chainsaws on his own with no spotter, no backup, oh, no nothing. There's several wrong things with him and rope. <laughs> That I will get to. So Gregory is on his deathbed. The doc is there. Dr. Isaac Vernon. He's very well dressed. Uh, I love him. Yeah. I, I could watch a... Vernon and Caleb show? Vernon and Caleb yeah. show. I'd watch that. <laughs> the, they the get under, into all the sorts of The doctor and trouble. the undertaker. Yeah, what cases couldn't they be part of? If yeah. there's a corpse, they're there. They, and they, they're smart enough. They could solve crimes. I too. think they could too. Yep. Caleb might need a personality transplant. Are we going to keep a little sort of goth girl, too? Ellie? Yeah. I like Ellie's yeah, hair. I like her hair. She's cute. Yep. She's a pixie. Well, she she's very brave, too. Oh, she, my gosh. We're jumping around, but she's in the back of that car next to that corpse under a blanket. I'm like, whoa, even for an, an undertaker apprentice, that's close up with a corpse. Yep. She's brave. Yep. And she's got a cool leather jacket. She does. So Gregory's body goes missing. Yes. Everybody goes downstairs, the undertakers arrive, and the body's gone. Yeah. And then, oh, Felix comes home because, you know, I, I, I make the angel song because he can do no wrong by Hermione. He's the perfect son, the prodigal son. I feel so bad for Rose throughout this entire episode. Yes. Rose does not do well in this episode. Felix, I don't know... Based, he, I don't think he the, asks for the way Hermione treats him. I don't think he expects it, but he does also doesn't correct her. 
based on the research I've done of crimes in Antarctica, he's kind of okay. <laughs> in comparison? Yeah. <laughs> to the other dudes who go to Antarctica, he's all right? Yeah. Wow, that's pretty bad. So. We're going to get there, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we learn that Felix will inherit everything. And Rose gets nothing. Hermione gets a stipend or an annuity and a cottage in town, in the village, and everything else is Felix's. And though Rose and Craig are living in the house, it's his now. Yeah. Well, once they find the body. And this is... He can't inherit until they find the body. This is the old way of doing things. Yeah. And Hermione has no problem with it. Rose obviously has a problem with it because she's the one who's been taking care of the place all this time while he gallivants around. And being a midwife on top of that. Uh, Felix is played by Alistair McKenzie. You might know him from Monarch of the Glen. Yeah. Which is on for a long time. And he's in a really good Murdoch um, called Snakes and Ladders, where he plays a a British detective who comes over to help them find a criminal. And spoiler, he turns out to be the killer, right? He's very good in that. Yeah, he's really good in that. And he's good in the Poirot... Uh, Evil Under the Sun with Emily Blunt. Mm-hmm. So. It's good in that one, too. Yep. But how many times can he wrap a scarf around his neck? Uh, the scarf wrapping stuff that he does is annoying to me. It's almost he, like a noose. He also wears the same thing two days in a row running, which bothers me. It's the same jacket and shoes. Everything else, the stuff closest to his body might be different. It might be, but I don't match my shoes to my jacket. But He's running? He is running. Good for him. Cross the scar. Yeah. <laughs> what do they call that in Canada? A bluff or an escarpment. Escarpment. It's where the glacier stopped. Yeah. Right? And they just, it's like when you're sweeping and you just pile a bunch of stuff up and stop. It, so th- then we have the Rev. Okay. So she's no Rev Sue's. No. And she's also like oddly political. I'm okay with that. She doesn't want to bury Gregory in the chapel in the church that they call the Lancaster Chapel. Really, it's just two big stone coffins off to the side. Because I, I don't know where they put Gregory anyway. Yeah, I would assume that C of E owns that property. Yeah, but maybe she has enough leeway to say, we're out of room and it's not fair. It did. It's a good scene where she says, I'm a female priest. A single female priest. In a small town. In a small town. It's a lonely it's job. It's a lonely job. I can only imagine yep. it's a lonely job. Yeah. I don't dislike her. She just seems kind of desperately sad. Like, somebody be my friend, please. Please. Yeah. You know. Yep. She, maybe she, but she has confidence. She does. She tells the Lancasters, no, I'm okay with that. But, I don't care if Hermione wants to have a little fit over it. But she doesn't know her tree surgeon friends and nut job, so. That's true. <laughs> like, did that not come up in your conversations? Yeah, I'm wondering why he never told her, like, I'm really upset about my brother. This upsets me, you know? Well, he's in for the long con. I guess. Considering he falls in love with a poor Rose. He comes there, like, four years ago? Yeah. I Has he been waiting all that time for Felix to just show up? I think so. Did and he help Gregory on the way just so Felix would come home? And I so, <laughs> so do not believe he loves Rose. Because anyone who actually loved her couldn't do that. No, I agree. To her dad? Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I couldn't steal the corpse of any of your family members. That's good. <laughs> Because it would upset you. It would be It would be very upsetting. Especially once you found out that I took him, her, them. And hid whoever. them in the ice house that no one mentioned ever. 
I that's completely common though. Big estates like that, especially when they've shrunk a bit, they've got all kinds of outbuildings. Honey, we had a light switch we didn't know was there. That's true, we did. For like three years. And it's inside the house. <laughs> and in a hallway. <laughs> Charlie has no place to live. He has to go to a B&B. The apple tree cottage. It looks nice. It does. It's a little frou-frou. It's a little small. And the owner, her son just went away to college, so she wants to spoil Nelson, yes, which is nice. Does. Yes, That's okay. There's a nice dissolve of him in there. We get to... The, his clothes away and stuff. We get to see the undertaker's place next. Because yes. it is also the home of the doctor. Yes. Convenient. Outside is the Little Malton Village sign. Yes. It's a nice sign, and there's a mystery on it. There's a red symbol, symbol at the top of it. That looks sort of like a dude with his arms in the air. But it could also be a bull. If it's a bull, it has a big disc on top of its head. Sometimes they do. Like in like Brahmin bulls, like bulls in India, not... I don't know. The only thing I can think of, and I couldn't find any evidence of it, and listeners, we're going to post a picture in the show notes. Please yep. look, and if you can tell us what it is, that would be awesome. I also like that little building they have. I thought maybe, because it kind of reminds me of the way like the, the chalk horse is drawn. Yes, the Effington white horse. Yeah, it's kind of that style, so maybe there's supposed to be something like that nearby. Maybe there is, and I don't know about it. I don't I, know. I realized for all the British people screaming, it's Uffington, not Effington. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. You know what white, big, giant white horse we're talking about. Yes. It sort of looks like that style of symbol, but I don't know. But somebody made a very nice sign for Little Mountain. It's got the church on it, and it's very pretty. And that's pretty. all we see of the village except for the church. That's it. Yeah. And then we get to see Caleb and Ellie, the Undertakers. Yes. The Undertaker's place is strange. The Okay. The layout is strange. Yeah. Okay. Because like the embalming room is two feet away from the front door. Yeah. And there's this weird back room where they cut stuff up and all their tools are on display. Yeah. It's it's weird. And the but then there's an outbuilding like, or a garage or something. Like every time you brought a body into that place, I was like, well, you're gonna have to move your tools. You don't put your tools on your workspace. And unless they've just come out of the autoclave or something Maybe. and they need to be set out to cool, but they would also get um get dirty again. Like it's behind this kind of dirty curtain. Too. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird It's very place. strange. And the garage and I've got a photo of this too. It's like a combination garage carriage house, sort of. It's like a bunch of junk and then a station wagon and their funeral car. I can't figure out where the garage doors are. Yeah. In relation to everything else. The interior else. of that building, except for the one, the embalming room, because you can see the front windows. Yeah. It could be someplace completely different. Someplace completely different. Yeah. Has, but I will say in the scene where Ellie goes back and is checking out the car and ends up in the car. She walks past an old timey casket that's on like um, a wagon base, yeah. sort of sitting on it. And on top of it is a very small casket. Yes. Do you know why there's a very small casket? Is that like a mother and, and child died in childbirth? Nope. Okay. 
The small casket is a demo casket. It's a salesman's okay. casket. It's a salesman's casket. Yeah. Okay. That so if makes you sense. if you didn't have a big um, outbuilding like they do, where they or keep all their dusty or... cas- caskets everywhere, yeah. weird. You would have smaller versions that had the same size hardware on them. They have real size hardware, but on a smaller casket and the same wood and lining. So you could show yeah. somebody what it would look like. I got to tell you, that is one of the strangest places on earth that everybody at some point in their life goes to, which is... At least the, in the Western world. Yeah, end up, yeah, the place where they sell caskets to you. Yes. It's a very strange It's like room. a combination church slash... Showroom? Um a mattress store kind of, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> like you almost expect them to say well climb in and see what you think if i mean does it look is it comfy and like, you're also like you also want to touch everything and don't want to touch everything yes. <laughs> it's a very strange it's it's very quiet it's always a weird vibe in there mm-hmm. it's just everybody's kind uh, of on edge and uh, it's not a job I could do. I have great respect for people who do it. I'm very glad Caleb is independent. It says so on his sign. It's, he's an independent undertaker, yeah. right? <laughs> but the doctor, Isaac, lives upstairs? Sort of. And his practice is there that he runs? No, I don't think his practice is there. Okay. I don't. No, no doctor's going to have an office next to a funeral home. I... Especially in the same building. I think his practice is in the village. But they make the one-stop shop joke. Because the doctor and the undertaker live together? I don't oh, know what okay. their relationship Our, is supposed to be. We discussed, and I still don't know what their relationship is. I don't think they're gay, but they're certainly best friends. My impression is that Caleb lives there too. Yeah. So they could be roommates. They could be. But what does a doctor need with a roommate? I don't it's know. It's not like he's broke and no, has to share they certainly have a special relationship of similar values yes and, and a lot of trust yeah a lot of trust because they're basically breaking the law together yeah later in the episode i love how when that's brought out he says i could have broken the law in all these other different ways but i didn't <laughs> oh yeah like oh i know i murdered this guy i could have killed a whole lot more people but i didn't so what's so bad about the one? Hmm? I I'm interested to hear what other people think about their relationship. It's not that yeah. it matters to me, but if the impression is that they are a couple, that would be more than groundbreaking for Midsummer. Yes. Because they're interracial, they're gay, and they're older, yeah. which and, and is I, all awesome. I got to tell you, ITV, if those two dudes are still alive, call us up. We'll write a show for you. Yeah, because it writes itself. They're that awesome. show writes itself. We haven't even talked about who wrote this episode. No, you didn't even mention it. No, when no, it was filmed, I no. bet it's filmed in the spring because there's daffodils by the ice house. March and April 2015. Uh, yes. Broadcast on the sixth of January 2016. 6.4 million views. Directed by Alex Pillai and written by Rachel Cooperman and Sally Griffiths, who are some really neat ladies who wrote the hammer horror movie episode and the movie that reference and the show that references the hammer. Oh, horror. cool. So they, they definitely wrote a, a bunch of really cool episodes. And obviously this episode starts out in a writer's room or a writer's discussion where they said, what if we did an episode that had no murders? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Write a midsummer murder where nobody's murdered. Yep. That's a challenge. Only attempted murdered. Yes. <laughs> In a way that makes Sarah extremely vertiginous and nauseous. 
We'll get to that. We'll get to that. That's pro- That should be a square on the bingo card, too. Oh, we'll get to that. So we talked about Felix earlier, but we didn't talk about where he was. Mm. So he's been on a polar expedition. Mm-hmm. Several, apparently. Yes, in Antarctica. And he was climbing the Vizen Massif. Vincent. Vincent? Vincent. V-I-N-S-O-N. Okay. Okay. Massif? Yeah. A massif is a section of the planet's crust that is demarcated by faults or flexures. Is it big? In the movement of the crust, the massif tends to retain the internal structure while being displaced as a whole. So basically a big piece of rock. It heaves. heaves. The term is used to refer to a group of mountains formed by that structure. Now... The Appalachians are like that because it's two tectonic plates that rammed up against each other and their friction forms, it forces stuff up and that probably started out as like a great big chunk, but then over millennia it wears down and we get mountains, right? And we have to be careful with Northwest, East, South here because we're dealing with the South Pole, right? Mm It is on the side of Antarctica that's closest to South America. Okay. It's not that far from the coast, but there's a kind of mountain range on that part of Antarctica. It's easy to say the northern part of Antarctica, but, you know, at that point, it's weird. Because it's the same latitude all the way around. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. So it's named after a guy named Carl Vinson. He was a member of Congress. In the House of Representatives, uh, he was a a Democrat uh, from Georgia. Mm -hmm. And he was a member of the House of Representatives from from the time he was 30 till the time he was 81. So for 50 years. Yeah, 51 years. And how does he get associated with Antarctica? Well, he... His two big causes that he championed, the two causes I want to talk about, one I will talk about that is not so great. The two big things he championed were the expansion of the Navy into a two-ocean Navy. Okay. So he brought the Navy. It was all Atlantic before. It was all Atlantic before, and he is part of the people that said that we have to go fight in the Pacific, and you know we need a presence in the Pacific in terms of the Navy, and promoted the Navy. Well, and when Pearl Harbor happened, he must have been like, told you! Yes. <laughs> and the second thing he did was, he said Antarctica was a place that should be explored and mm-hmm. should have, like, he was part of that sort of 50s Antarctica exploration. And so they stuff. named a massif out of they after him. They named a massif out of, okay. of him. He was born in 1883 and died in 1981. Wow. He He saw everything. So 97, he saw everything. Unfortunately. And he would have been in his 40s, World War II. Yep. That's crazy. Yep. Unfortunately, big fat segregationist. Uh, Oh, Wrote a whole bunch of papers supporting segregation and everything. Why you got to be like that? If you think both oceans are good, why can't you think all colors are good? I can only imagine that Buenos Aires is quite the place for adventurous people to hang out. I would like to go there. How far is Antarctica from Buenos Aires? If that's like it's, the closest place to be. It's like a couple be, of hundred miles. That's crazy yeah. that it's that close. Because yeah. I think of all of South America being hot. Well, the, the thing is, okay, you get the greatest named place ever. Even better than Lake Titicaca. <laughs> Terra del Fuego is that part. That's land of fire, isn't it? Yeah, that is that area of South America that's at the far south of Argentina. Mm-hmm. 
And it kind of extends into the ocean, into this archipelago. Mm-hmm. And then the ocean gets deep and that archipelago comes up again in Antarctica. Oh, they're so close. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So if you're if you're going to Antarctica, which, by the way, I looked into, uh, you fly to... No, Buen- you can't drive there. No, you can't drive there. You fly to Buenos Aires and then you take a boat or a helicopter or a plane. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Gregory's body's missing. Pink Ted is missing. The Reverend has a sheepdog named Eve. Yes. What religious person names their dog Eve? I don't know. Oh, Revackers. Yes. But then another body goes missing. Another body is missing. Now, okay. Yuck. Okay. I don't care how well embalmed she was. She's not fresh. I don't care. I don't care anything but the whole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You have to suspend disbelief because in fiction, people with shovels can dig deep holes fast with straight sides. Okay? Okay. Just accept it. I have dug holes. I know. (laughs) Digging is really hard. I know. And under, I guess, cover of darkness in one night, he dug down and got this. Yeah. Now, the earth above her grave would be loose. Yeah. Okay? I totally understand that. Well, but she's been dead for years, hasn't she? No, no. It's like a couple of months, I thought. I don't care if it was two weeks. Yuck. Yes. So no human could dig that hole in a night. You don't know Craig. He's good above the ground and below it. I guess so. He's got anger. Ellie's mom, Bobby. She runs the farm. Yes. Also on the estate. Yes. Because this is one of those places where... Though the estate has shrunk due to death duties and other things that have caused them to like sell pieces off, they apparently still own the whole village or something. Yeah. So the undertakers are supposed to be on Lancaster land, and so is why is it not Bobby called Midsummer Lancaster? But I, I don't know. Who knows? But she's got the cows. Yes. And the farm. Yes. I love the farms in Midsummer because. They pretend that all the farmers are poor, and yet they own these multi-million dollar beautiful old heritage farms made out oh, of brick. Oh, and that one person runs a farm. And one person runs it. One yeah. person couldn't keep track of just the cows like in this place. Ellie takes off. Like, Ellie's not a farm girl. No. Farm girls don't have pixie haircuts and leather jackets. If he broke the c- casket open with an axe, wouldn't he have kill- broken her body, too? Depends how good you are with an axe. And he's a tree surgeon, so I'm guessing he can control his swing a bit. I guess. That grave marker is also a big piece of styrofoam. And if it's supposed to be stone, why did he break that? I don't know. And where was the Rev Ackers when he was doing that? Wouldn't she have noticed? It would have taken three days! Wouldn't Eve have barked <laughs> her head off? Were you surprised that the dog just dives into the hole? Just dives into the hole. <laughs> It should be six feet deep, right? Yep. Our dog couldn't dive into that hole. Oh. <laughs> Our dog has trouble with steps right Our now. Our dog isn't six inches tall right now. Yeah. <laughs> She'll get bigger. Yep. She'll get bigger. Then Sunny Desai shows up. Speaking of helicopters, mm-hmm. Sunny Desai flies in. I wonder how much that single shot was. I don't know. Helicopters are pricey, I but you can rent that. them. I was like, wow. He is a tantalum magnate yes which is a material used in cell phones yes uh he has mines in mozambique do you know how much tantalum is per pound no 
It's valuable. It's $130 a pound. Okay. And when you think about how much dirt you got to move to find a pound, it's a lot. It's a lot. There's a f- far more tantalum in Rwanda than mm. in Mozambique, but Mozambique is like second or third. Okay. So that's realistic. Um, you want to guess what the most valuable metal is? No idea. It's rhodium. Rhodium? Okay. Yeah. So let me put this in context. So tantalum is $130 a pound. Indium is $2,000 a pound. Scandium, have you ever heard of scandium? Nope. It's $19,000 a pound. Jesus. You want to guess how much gold is worth per pound? Let's say it's $500 an ounce, and you multiply that by six times the sundial of the middle of the There's day. There's 16 of, ounces per pound. Uh, <laughs> $800 a pound? $24,000 a pound. Okay. You were kind of getting there with your math, and then you abandoned it. Okay. Rhodium, which is the most expensive, is $117,000 per pound. Damn. We need to find some of that in the backyard. And you don't find it in big nuggets either. You find it alongside veins of other metals in scant amounts. A lot of that value is because of the price of processing it, of separating it from other things. So if he was really wealthy, he'd be a rhodium magnate, no, not okay. a tantalum magnate. But it's uh, tantalum is far more valuable than iron or There's like no silver. backstory to Sonny. Yeah, how he goes from a kid who hung out there during the summers. Well, we know he's from a wealthy background because his parents are back and forth to India all the time for their many, many businesses. Yeah, and they kind of leave him behind. Wouldn't with they the have casters. an estate near there? Maybe. They knew him from school, I think. Yeah, they knew him from school. So they probably went to a boarding school, and he went there too. Yeah. And instead of going to India over the holidays, he came home with Felix to have climbing competitions in their stairwell. Oh, boy. Mm. Hermione and Bobby are friends. I was happy to see that. So Hermione isn't a snob all the time. No. She can be friends with a farmer. She has a friend. Yep. And then Barnaby meets with the family and he says, you know, sometimes corpses are held for ransom. Yes. Which is a kind of shock to Hermione. That that ever happens? Yeah. Well, it's not common, but it has happened before. By the way, that the actress who plays Hermione, what's her name? Diana Quick. She is in a Poirot called Sad Cypress, mm-hmm. where she plays a woman who has had a stroke. Yeah, and, and she, she does a great job. Amazing. You think she actually has had a she stroke. She is stunning. Well, she's also in Dead in the Water, uh, which is the um, the rowing episode of Midsummer, yes. season eight, uh, episode two. Yeah. She's in that. She's good in that one, too. Yep. You want to you wanna know about bodies that have been held for ransom? I guess. There's, sure. a, there's a couple of really famous ones. Okay. Bodies that have been... People who have kidnapped corpses, sometimes for ransom, not always for ransom. I know we talk about how to actually commit crimes on this show, but it's got to be easier to steal a body than it is a person. Yeah, because you don't have to keep them alive. Yeah. The whole point of holding somebody for ransom is that you're going to return them alive. That's why yeah. you're going to get paid. Yeah. But now the... They're already dead. So how much are they worth? Yeah, like I would be like, that's horrible, but I'm not paying you any money and I'm calling the cops right away. Yeah. There are far more bodies that are stolen to be sold off in pieces. That makes much more sense. It's and still good. And I think it's kind of implied that the doctor and the undertaker are doing that. Well, initially, I think the impression that we're supposed to get is that they are doing something nefarious with the corpses like 
selling them for medical research. Yeah, something like right? that. Right, replacing yeah. them with yeah. rocks in the casket, whatever. Okay, let me tell you about bodies that have been stolen. Okay. Charlie Chaplin's body was stolen. What? Yeah. Charlie Chaplin's body was stolen. So He died in 1977 in Switzerland. Okay. He was 88 years old. I think I remember when he died. Yeah, you might. I wouldn't. No. I was a wee baby. But in March, okay, so he dies in December. Yeah. And in March, the police call his wife, Una, and say, somebody dug up Charlie. Oh. And he's gone. Wow. He's already been in the ground for five months. Oh. Ew. Was it a tree surgeon overnight? No. But the thieves call and say they want $600,000. No. And I'm calling the cops. And, well, the cops are already onto it. They're waiting to get some kind yeah. of demand. And Una says, Charlie would have thought this was kind of funny. I'm not paying. Yeah. No, thanks. And so the thieves are like, um, okay, uh, we'll get back to you. <laughs> right? <laughs> I can just imagine a phone call where Una was like, no, we're not going to do that. And the kidnappers being like, okay, hold on. <laughs> so you're not going to do it? Okay, hold on. <laughs> we'll get back to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it takes them until May to get back to her. Oh, my God. Okay, so that's in March. At least they didn't say, um, wrong number. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Goodbye. <laughs> so in May, they contact her again and say... Now we're serious. We still have his body. Okay. So we want a ransom. And she says, call me back and hangs up, confers with the police. And the police are like, we'll catch him. So they put a tap on her line and they tap 200 phone booths in the area. This, now, this is, is in, in 78. In Switzerland. In Switzerland. Okay. So there were more phone booths yep. in the 70s, yeah. right? They so, tap all of them. And this is all mechanical switching. So they got to find, it does take time to find out who's calling. Yes. Don't even get me started on television shows and telephone tracing. <laughs> so she arranges for them to call again, pretending that she's going to like negotiate the amount of the, yep. uh, the ransom. And when they do, they're caught. And... They lead the police to a cornfield where they had reburied him. Okay. So they just dug another hole somewhere else and put the casket there. Okay. I think they took the casket. Maybe. I hope they took the casket. I hope so. They reclaim him. They bury him back where he was. And they put a big slab of concrete right on top of the casket and then put the dirt back on. Yeah. Now, that has not stopped other people from stealing bodies who wanted them. They just tunnel underneath yeah. next to the grave and just go under the Ugh. big slab or whatever to get the body out. But I love that Una just said, no, I'm not going to pay it. What are you going to do? Keep him? Yeah. Fine. Okay. He was in the ground already. And he, from all I know about Charlie Chaplin, he would have been like, yeah, Don't pay them. Don't pay them a cent. Let me tell you two more stories about missing dead people. Okay. Okay. These are doozies. They're shorter. Okay. John Scott Harrison, who was the father of President Benjamin Harrison. We yep. know all about Benjamin Harrison. Yep. He's from, he's he's from Indiana. Yeah. Um, he was also a, himself, and John Scott Harrison was also a U.S. representative from Ohio. So this happened in Ohio, okay. right next door. You listen in, Ohioans? Yep. There's some creepy stuff going on over there. Okay. In 1878, John Scott Harrison was buried in a large family mausoleum. Yeah. Okay. 
At the time of his burial, the undertakers realized that a body that was recently buried nearby had been stolen. Okay. Come to find out, Harrison's body had also been stolen. Okay. So two bodies stolen. Hmm. So his son, yes, the president, the future president, yes. Benjamin Harrison. Yes. And his friend. Okay. Decide to go on a road trip. Okay, so it's adventure time. They are going to find the bodies. Okay. And they do. Oh. They find um, uh, John Scott Harrison hanging in a chute at a local medical school. Ooh. So I'm guessing this is like a, a silo or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. The other body they found all the way in Michigan, it had been brined and was in a big jar Ooh. at a medical school. Ooh. So they were both stolen by medical students. So this is all Burke and Hare shit going on. It's all Burke and Hare stuff. Yeah. The other body I want to tell you about really quickly is the body of Thomas Paine. Okay. Who was the the famous pamphleteer. Yes. Right? When he was buried in the United States, when he died, he was broke. Right? His his era of fame had long passed. He was destitute. They wouldn't let him bury... They wouldn't let him be buried in any of the Quaker cemeteries nearby. They basically buried him in like somebody's backyard. It was was nothing. Right? So this guy, Cobbett, who's a, a British guy who thought that Thomas Paine deserved better, came over, dug up Thomas Paine's body, and took him back to England, where he was sure a lot of the British aristocracy would agree with him that Thomas Paine deserves better. Yep. He was wrong. Oh. Nobody was interested. Oh. So he never raised the money to build the mausoleum that he wanted to build for Thomas Paine. Okay. So they later found Thomas Paine's body in a trunk in the corner of a room in Cobbett's house when Cobbett died. So because he never raised the money to build the mausoleum, he just shoved his body in a trunk and put him over in the corner of the room and forgot about him. Ew. Yuck. That's going to drip. I don't care how long he's been dead. He wasn't a skeleton. Yeah, there's going to be some putrefaction there. Just like I should, I would think that there is with Nanny Lydia. And with Gregory, for that matter. Lydia has at least been embalmed. Gregory has not. No. And when they confront Felix with the fact that he actually came back to the UK a day earlier than he claims. Yeah. He's already been home for five days. Yeah. So when they find Gregory's body, he's been dead for a week. Yeah. He's not going to look like that. No. I hate to say it. No. He's not going to look like that. Even though he has an enormous amount of hair up his nose. <laughs> he's not going to be fresh. It's not going to be pretty. No. Even if he's even if he's down there. So those are corpses that have been stolen or corpses for ransom. They have a dinner at Lancaster Hall, or yes. whatever they want to call it, the Maltons, and in Sonny's fancy I don't way, drink. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Craig, and I don't join in anything, but then I don't like that people exclude me. Why does he not drink? It... It makes no sense to his character. It's just a needless thing. It's a little thing. glass. It's not like they're saying, hey, let's do shots. It's a needless thing to make him annoying. Sonny is so thoughtful and fancy. He's brought a port that is just as old as Gregory was. Yes. Gregory was what, 70? 70. Probably, something like that. I think he, they said he was 70s. I looked up what a port that was produced in the 1940s or the 1950s would cost. Yeah. They're, they're about 500 bucks and up. Okay. So it's a nice bottle it's he's nice brought. Bottle. Have you ever had port? No. Me either. Nope. Isn't it like syrupy? Maybe. We like should. red wine that's syrupy? Maybe we should get some. I don't know. Try it out. Try it out. All these people drinking their drink, fancy port. Drink port and Tison and... Uh, 
Tucson's Sherry. Port Road drinks. Yeah. yeah. I see. I think Port and Sherry are, are they close? I don't know. I don't know. Cam's lab sure is performative. Well, she's in the same lab that Kate was in. Yeah. So it's not like it's weird. The screen uh, is new. She uses the screen. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I think it was there when Kate was there too, but I don't think they had reference to it as often. There's a fiber. It's blue and it's from a rope. Yeah. From all these people who climb all the time. Yeah. I have a question about that dinner too. Mm-hmm. What are those ropes attached to? <laughs> Where they have the climbing game? Yeah. Also, how did insurance go? Yeah, we'll let these actors climb. <laughs> I'm sure they had safety equipment on. Uh, they would have had to. In the scene, the ropes appear to be connected straight to the ceiling. Yeah. So not tied to the banister or yeah. something like that. They're hooked straight to the ceiling. Now, a lot of homes of this age and older do have pulleys at various places. To because- move. To put the grand piano up on the third floor. To haul floor. furniture. But yep. They also have pulleys to allow um, the help to lower big light fixtures. Yeah. Like that. Yep. But those are pulleys that are not meant for this kind of rope. These ropes are like ship's ropes. They're yeah. like four inches across. And they just happen to be all set up already. Yeah, I'm not believing that. But I'll go with it. And later on, it says that he greased the rope. And... He- like, wouldn't Rose have noticed the rope was greasy? And wouldn't wouldn't she have gone up like two feet and then not been able to go up anymore? Even if he only greased the top half of it, she didn't freeze. She would have said, the rope is greasy. I'm not going any higher than this. Yeah, don't come up, Dad. Yeah, it's greasy. <laughs> it was on purpose. Next is the funeral tree surgeon graveyard scene. <laughs> The Eric Jenkins plate on the casket is the wrong way around. It is. (laughs) It's as if you're standing above his head to read it. Yeah, it's there so that we can read it, but it's not for the people to read it. And they sing at the funeral. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Well, I did some looking into this because I thought, okay, so to me, music is the celebration of life and part of life is death. So singing at funerals really isn't crazy. And then I got down a rabbit hole. Wait a minute. Just to check the, the cause for this rabbit hole. Yeah. You thought it was weird that they were singing hymns at a funeral? Yeah, they usually don't do that in Canada. People don't have singing at funerals. Then why are there songs like that one about the people dying on the sea? I don't know. Some when do people, they sing those? Lots of people do sing at funerals. Okay. 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 It was just weird to me. Okay. Okay. So you looked into and it. And it leads me to a question, but we'll get to the question. Okay. So I learned about this keening thing, which yeah. is an... It's you wailing. Know, it's wailing. Yeah. Right? It's they're, a, prof- they're professional keeners. A chorus of mercenary women who sing moaning laments mm-hmm. in Irish funerals particularly. Yep. Right? You, you, usually, you hire them. They walk with the funeral procession. It usually happens when the body loudly. comes out of the house and they grieve loudly. And you pay them to do it. Yes. And what I found was a piece of gold. So if you've got a mom or an aunt or a grandmother who's really melodramatic, there's yep. a job for that. Yep. There is a video, and I will put it in the show notes, Uh-oh. of Robin Williams. Okay. Mm-hmm. Famous com- comedian. Mm-hmm. This has to be from the 80s. Okay. Teaching another person at a funeral how to keen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> at a real funeral or pretending to? It's a pretend funeral. Okay. 
And that other person is Carol Burnett. Oh my gosh, it must be so funny. <laughs> it is incredibly funny. Because at first, Robin is trying to get her to express the emotion of sadness uh -huh. through keening. And then he gets more than he bargains for. <laughs> it is classic Robin Williams. It is classic Carol Burnett. It is the funniest thing I have seen today. Did you see far. any videos of real keeners? Uh, there's very few videos yeah, of real because they don't really do it anymore. They don't really do it's it. It's a traditional. I thing. watched a really good video of it's kind of Irish history where this guy told stories about when he was a boy seeing keeners and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So it leads me to this question though. Okay, and we should talk about this like every couple should. Do you want music at your funeral? And if so, what music? No, I don't. I don't need music, but I do want keeners. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll get keeners. You got to find some keeners. <laughs> and what's funny is that now, when we say keener, we mean somebody who's overly keen. Yeah. Like I would say, Cam is a keener. Yeah. Right. Like she's and that's a over, overly enthusiastic. That is such a Canadianism. Which just the makes first me time wonder. I used it here, people were like, "What is a keener? You're such a keener." Yeah. It's like um, uh, you're such a um, teacher's pets a keener. And... Uh, no, the 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 jacket, the winter jacket is a. Uh, it's called a uh, not Adirondack. A, um, I do uh, not know where you're going with this. Okay, okay. Remember the Gil Mayo mysteries where they they solve mysteries from that trailer yep. for some reason, and the girl who was a scientist, she had a nickname, and they called her Anorak. Anorak. Jeez, I, Adirondack. I was close. I was close. Anorak is kind of a uh, a nickname for a keener too, right? Yeah, it's like a, a geek. Yeah, like an uber geek, whatever. But no, I I I want a chorus of keeners. Okay. Yeah, but Good. I want like not regular keeners. I want like rap keeners. See, I the only thing the only I love music. I talk about music all the time. The only thing I can think of is I want to confuse everybody by playing Living on a Prayer. <laughs> so that when the chorus comes along and it halfway goes, there. we're halfway there, everyone will look around and go, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm halfway there. What? No, he's all the way there. <laughs> That's the best song you could think of? No, no, no. I, but I do, I do, I made a note in my things. How about Girlfriend in a Coma? Things to write <laughs> We should probably make sure she's dead. <laughs> things to write in my journal. I thought I should probably write my funeral ser uh, service. You don't. You wouldn't trust me to pick the songs. You think oh, you'd have I to would. tell me? I would, but they're, they're, you know, that's my last chance to DJ. <laughs> <laughs> I want the playlist to be right, so. Well, you can just record it for yourself and I'll just play the playlist. I suppose. And then you won't have to worry about it. You should prop me up and put some turntables out. Yeah. So, so. I, I like to build animatronics. <laughs> There's no law against it. Oh, yeah, that vicar is. sure loves that tree surgeon. Well, and she says at Eric Jenkins' funeral before they put the fly fishing rod in the hat on the casket when uh, she gives her little sermon where she thinks she's being funny, I guess. Yeah. I will make you fishers of men. Yep. Do you know what that comes from? That's I mean, that. Okay. You know, it's a Bible. Fishers thing. of men comes directly from the day of the sea of Galilee where Jesus does the object lesson of calming the storm and walking on the water. 
And then he says to the disciples that he'll make them fishers of men. Did you remember that? Or did you look it up too? No, I remember that. Wow. He's talking to I John. Did, I did go <laughs> to, to, to church. He's and, talking to John and somebody else who then becomes a disciple, apostle. Yeah, probably Paul. They're fishing. Yeah. And he says, follow me. I'll make and instead you of catching fish, I'll make you fishers of men, meaning yep. I'll teach you how to proselytize and evangelize. And it's sort of <clears throat> expanded upon the whole teach a man to fish. He'll be fed for life. But the way Rev Acker says it is like, yeah. well, if, uh, if Eric put his line in the water and he hooked a guy, he would throw him back. <laughs> yeah. It's like. It's but wait a minute, isn't that going to happen with Eric someday it's when somebody's so, fishing? So strange. Might they hook him instead? Yes. Might they hook him instead? <laughs> if Caleb and Isaac oh, don't sink him deep we enough. we will get to that. <laughs> ah, so then Craig is gone. So Craig, Presumably dead. Craig pretends... that the, Where's the, the blood come this from? This is the closest thing we get to a murder, a murder that isn't. That isn't. Where does the blood on the chainsaw come from? I don't... Craig's a master of disguise. Is it from Nanny Lydia? I don't know. Ew. But I or would Gregory? know. Gregory? <gasps> okay, a guy is hanging like that. First of all, actor, that is a nice hang. Yeah. He does a good job there. Yeah. Now he's in a harness and everything. Yeah, as he should be. But he does a good job there. But I I went back and looked and double checked. I think Felix could have actually got to his wrist. And seeing if he was alive. Well, especially since there's no like leg lying on the ground. Yeah. That has clearly been cut and off. No blood like, like oozing from the body. Yeah. So Craig is in the tree. He hauls the chainsaw up. He squirts it with blood that he got from somewhere. He brings it in his little blood pocket. Like has has he been draining his own blood for a week Maybe. to have enough to <laughs> on it? Maybe. I'm creeped out by where Craig gets the blood. <laughs> It is creepy. I think he got it from Gregory. I think he drained it from Gregory. Because Nanny Lydia wouldn't have any. She was embalmed. Did you notice that in this episode, there's a lot of people in the background that don't get names? Yeah. There's a lot of mom, mom, I got a part. And they're all old people. Uh, Yeah, especially the the The, guys by the pond. The three guys by the pond. When they're putting the body in the pond and they're like, the cops, run! And then they just like teeter off real slow. (laughs) Go, go, go. I'm really irritated by the whole Rose, Sunny, Craig love triangle. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm so annoyed by it. I have a whole section written about that scene about carabiners. Well, even before they find the carabiner. So supposedly Craig is, is so Craig is dead and then he's gone. Yep. And then. Sunny swoops in. Hermione is like, poor Felix, he's at the police station giving testimony about what he found. And Rose is sitting right there. Yeah. Her partner is dead. Is dead yep. And missing and was eviscerated by a chainsaw. And Hermione is worried about Felix. I just want to slap her. Plus, Cam should show up and go, this is not a crime scene. Or, that's not real blood. That's raspberry jam. Immediately. Or, or as we learn... <laughs> it's chicken blood. As we learn from the cleaner this week. That, you know, the new Greg Davies show. If you it's, haven't seen it, watch it. It's so funny. Blackberry jam and honey. Yeah. Corn syrup. Yep. Then, when they talk to Rose, they ask Rose where she was at 9 a.m. Yes. Right? Now, 
The morning they are referring to is the morning that she and Sonny are sitting at the breakfast table and he's picking crumbs off her face and, and Craig comes in. Yeah, she's going back to work for the right. first time. And Craig says, do you want to have some tea together? And she says, no, I have to get a really early start. I need to go. But then when they ask her where she was at 9 a.m., she says she was eating breakfast. Yeah, she's a liar, McLarson. No, I just think she has a twisted version of what an early start is. Yes. To well, me, an early that, start that, is I leave the house by 7. That's or before a, seven. And for me, that's not even an early start. I'm late if I've left the house by seven o'clock. And we don't have shift jobs that start no. at 7.30 or something. We have eight to five yeah. type sometimes jobs. Um, I'm like, that's an early start for you, woman? Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess she's a midwife and she's off to visit moms and their babies, but babies are up by then. Yes. Even babies know that nine o'clock isn't an early start. Even baby puppies. Even know. baby puppies who wake up at 5 a.m. Oh, I'm so sleepy. Time change. Um, <laughs> time change, yeah. They find the carabiner yes. at the farm. Yes. Which is amazing, by the way, that they yes. find it in a feed store, that little carabiner in that entire farm. Yes. And it's got Felix's fingerprints on it. So, now, I know what a carabiner is, but I have no idea where that name comes from. Okay. The word carabiner actually originates from a German term, okay, that emerged sometime in the 20s and 30s where, like, mountain climbing became popular, uh -huh. right? The German word is carabinerhaken. Yeah. Okay. And what that means is a carabiner's hook. Well, okay. Then I'm like, well, What's still, a I don't know what a carabiner. A carabiner is a type of soldier that is introduced in the 1600s, which is a light armored cavalryman that had a shorter version of a traditional muzzle rifle. So it's a carbine rifle. Ah, so it's really carbiner. Yes. So I would think that in the German, it's actually pronounced carbinerhaken. Yeah. Okay. It makes it so that they can hold their weapon on their belt. So it's more versatile and easy to take off the belt. It's any sort of spring-activated hook. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I have, to, I have to know now because if you speak German or you've ever taken any German, you know that German is basically a compound language. And so when you hear a word like carabiner... You think, okay, so that's Kara and Biner. Yeah. So what is Kara and what is Biner? Okay. And it means spring hook. Okay. And then that, then the French took it and made it Carabiner. They take everything. And now it's Carabiner. Man, oh man, I went down a hole though. There yeah. is a lot of people who have a lot to say about Carabiners on the internet. Oh, I'm sure there's people, just the just the climbing enthusiasts. I watched a video that had six million views about a carabiner called the Thor, which was the lightest, strongest carabiner ever created. They are incredible. They when are. When you think about something that you can easily open and close with one hand that can still support thousands of pounds, yeah. that's incredible. So, so no one talks about how much they can hold. How much they can, how much weight they can take. No one does. But they have to. It's have not a, discussed at all. They have to have at least a range so that you know which kind you need for what kind of weight you need to carry. It. They've got to be graded that way. Yep. 
I I also tried to find the largest carabiner in the world. Oh yeah. And there was a picture which I think was probably photoshopped of a giant carabiner. Well, there are there are kinds of like C-shaped clamps that are used to connect chains and stuff together like yeah. logging chains that appear they look sort of like a carabiner. Yeah. But from the definition, unless there's a spring, it's not a carabiner. Yeah. They're really kind of fantastic things. They're handy. I have one yeah. on my keychain. It probably yeah. saves me 5 minutes a day. Because I, I always know where my keys are. They're connected to my bag. I have one of my chain keychain to take off my work keys so that I can put my copious amounts of other keys into my bag. We're so keeners. I, yeah, we're, we are. We're carabiner keeners. Carabiner keeners. <laughs> that's, that was that's worse than the, the name porpoise. of the episode. That's worse than the Carabiner thing. keeners. We find out Felix actually arrived 24 hours earlier than he claimed. So he arrives minutes late to see his dad's death rattle. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And he arrives late because he spent the first day checking with the lawyer to see if he could get out of the contract he'd signed with Sonny that promised him he would sell him the house yes. in exchange for funding for an Antarctic expedition. Yes. Right. And I guess he, he want, he's changed his mind. I guess. He doesn't seem to want to change his mind. Okay. The the second, I'll say, an episode is thirds. The first third of the episode ends with the faked scene of the crime. Mm-hmm. This middle third of the episode is just soap opera. Yeah. It's people talking about other people. Yeah. It's, oh, I don't love Sonny. I do love Sonny. Craig yeah. is great. Craig is awful. Yeah. Are you going to sell me the house? Why are you selling the house? Yeah. By the way, Hermione and Rose both know how to climb too. Yes. Then the best scene of the entire episode. Yes, by far. Isaac and Caleb on a boat. Yes. So what happens? Well, even before that, it's a good scene. Because Ellie knows something wrong. She's smart. I also like that she's smart. Yeah. And gutsy. And gutsy. She hears Caleb saying on the phone, I thought she would never leave. Yep. She sneaks into the back of the car, lying there by the the dead body. To be fair, she has to. Yeah. She has nowhere else to go. Nowhere else to go. She can't possibly hide anywhere else in that giant garage full of junk. So they're on their way to Devil's Lake, which has an awesome name. Yes. Okay. So. They get in the boat. And I what I have learned from this episode and from the season 22 episode with the 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 murder of the toy magnate is that i really like boats with lanterns they're yeah. just cool that that coleman lantern is super cool. a boat with a lantern on the front is yep. just it's just mystery yep where is it going what is yep. it doing what's it doing two old guys on a boat with a corpse wrapped in burlap then wrapped in change like it's marley from a christmas carol Covered with a beautiful plaid car blanket, a yes. wool car blanket that poor Ellie has to hide under. I love her face when she she's under the blanket and then she looks over to see what's next to her and she's like, ah, okay, yeah. whoa. And then she sneaks out of the car, Thank which goodness. is difficult to do. Because you really think she's in danger. Yeah. When in reality, they probably wouldn't have hurt her at all if no. they caught her. They would have been like, this is why we're doing this. And the, the reason why they're doing it is they got this request to bury him in the lake, which is illegal. Yes. Okay. They just believe that people should get the burial they want. Yes. Even if it's not legal. And we've talked about different kinds of burials and stuff like that. If they want to be show. cremated and have their yeah. ashes spread yeah. or they want to be buried in some place yeah. 
um, special to them. They talk about a couple who were buried in the spot where they first made love, which is a little <clears throat> racy. Yeah. <laughs> racy, Did racy. they die at the same time? <laughs> I hope so. Otherwise, ah, where'd they keep one of them? Um, but they're not killing anybody. Yes. So they're all right. They're doing the right thing. And again, are they a couple? Are they friends? Are they par- partners? I don't know. Anyway. It's followed up by the worst dinner ever. Yeah. At the family's house. It's just horrible. And then there's a really nice map. Yes. There's the early estate map and the later estate map to identify the parts of the estate that are no longer part of the estate. And finally, for once, we have a lot of cops in this episode. Hey, there might be corpses somewhere in this swath and in this swath. Go look for corpses. Look for an ice house or an outhouse or... So they find their bodies. They find the old lady and Gregory's nose hairs Mm -hmm. in this kind of ice house. And to be fair, an ice house, if it was built at the time that that estate was built, it would be halfway between some body of water and the house. Yep. Right, because the ice would have come in on a boat, and they would have wanted to put it underground as quickly as possible. But it needs to be accessible from the house, yep, so they can get it, but not close. It all makes sense, and it would have been full of of sawdust. There would have been tons of sawdust down there. Okay, Felix is out running in his same clothes on the scar, on the scar, and whammo, it looks painful. Yes, because Craig wants to make it look like Felix suddenly had an urge. To climb? Okay. These people are professional climbers. Yes. Okay. My first thought is, why did you hit him in the head and then put a helmet on him? Because he wants it to look like a climbing accident. So I get that. Or a spelunking accident, really, if he's going down. Really. But these are known climbers. Mm. So they would be like, oh, I'm going climbing by the bluff today. Like they would be telling people. Yeah. There's no surprise climbing. No, you have to have so much equipment to do it. He would have left the house hauling it all, and he would have said, here's where I'm going. And he wouldn't have worn those shoes or that coat. No, there's no no. sudden climbing emergency where you go, hey, I need to spelunk down that cliff. In addition. (laughs) Let me whip out my rope. Okay, in addition. Sorry to be pedantic. You, You go. You pedant all you want. But there's two ropes. Clearly. At the beginning. Okay. So there's two ropes that Craig has rigged up? Yes. Okay. So who is supposed to be on the other rope? I don't know. I don't know. Where does it go? But luckily it's there so that... Rose can use it. Rose can use it. Maybe um, Craig was going to climb down the second one and and cut the rope closer to Felix. Finally. Or just tease him. Or shove him like they shove each other in the climbing game. I could not believe <laughs> when they were like three stories up, they started pushing each other thinking it was fun. Ugh. Gentle listener, Sarah has a thing for heights and especially looking down from something I high. I cannot handle high ledges. I cannot. In this episode has I can look out over all, heights. All sorts of them. I can see tall things, but if I can see the, the edge and down, I feel like I'm going to barf my brains out. Yep. But he was going to cut the rope, which instantly Cam would have appeared out of the forest and went, that rope was cut. Yeah. He should have just 
like unanchored it from the top. Like, oh, it wasn't anchored down. It wasn't driven in with a spike well enough and it came loose. And he might have a chance to grab the other one in time. <laughs> Let's be fair. Craig is not real smart here. What he's doing to get back at Felix is just weird. Okay. I want to say this. I understand the idea of this episode. Okay. I do. I understand the idea of this episode. And it's fun to have the trope of it of an episode in which there's no murders in a Midsummer Murders mm-hmm. episode. I understand what Craig has no body, so he feels like he wants to take the bodies. And he truly believes that Felix murdered his brother to protect the mineral rights for Sonny. Yep. All, I get all of that. Mm-hmm. It kind of works. Yeah. But can you imagine how evil he would be if he had killed the nanny? And killed Gregory. (laughs) Just so he could take their bodies? And then took their bodies. Like, if he was a killer, it would add to this episode. Yes. If he had just overdosed Gregory when nobody was looking. He was already dying, but he finished him off. Yeah. And Nanny fell down the stairs. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that convenient? Yeah. But he's still got to wait for Felix to come home. He's actually fairly lucky that, that Felix, Gregory dies when he does. Yeah. Because if Felix had chosen not to come home for his dad's funeral, then Craig would be kicked out of the house because yep. it would still be Felix's place. And, and Sonny would show up and say, all oh, this is mine now because I have a contract. And then Craig would be stuck with a dead old lady and a dead old guy going, well, I guess he's... Yeah. Never so mind. I understand the fun of this episode. Oh, yeah. I just think it would be better with murders. <laughs> It would be better with murders. You said that. Yep. (laughs) If only people didn't die of natural causes, it would be better. Yes. I buy Craig's motive. Yep. And I buy the the moment that pushes him to the edge and gives him the idea of doing this. I'm I'm okay with that. I am extremely impressed with the idea that within like a blink of an eye. He manages to lower Gregory's body out the window, I guess, he and is, meet the Undertaker. He is freaking Spider-Man. Like, where is he hiding the ropes? He is freaking Spider-Man, okay? Well, We're, he doesn't go out the window. He just... Meanwhile, Gregory is laying in a flower bed. Yeah. That's all I can think. There's no flashback here because that, especially that, is yeah. difficult to figure out. Now, what did you think about Felix's admission about how Richard died about how Craig's brother died. Okay. You believe him? I do believe him. He said it was the hardest thing he ever had to do in his life. I actually believe him. If I fall and break my neck and I can talk and we're in Antarctica and there's a storm coming. What song do you want me to play? I'm telling (laughs) you. Halfway there. I'm halfway there. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I'm telling you to give me some morphine and put me to sleep. Okay. Okay. I buy all of that. I wish Felix would be even more upset about it. Yeah. But... Given the choice is, once Richard falls, the choice is leave me here to die paralyzed. Yeah. To freeze to death or finish me off or try to get me out of this crevasse where I've broken my neck. And, I think there, that's the best option. And there, is, and there is an easy way to end that scene where there is a where he says, it was my brother. And Felix looks at him and says, he was my friend. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That humanizes it even more yeah 
And I don't think the idea that there's tantalum in Antarctica is established. That yeah. The fact that Sonny funds it and Craig suspects that he funds it for his own greedy reasons doesn't quite connect with me. And there are a lot of rights around Antarctica, especially around mining. Yeah. And that would be Felix's only motivation is that since Richard was the geologist, he would know there were minerals there that were valuable and would want but to tell But everybody people. knows there's minerals there and they're valuable. Yeah. 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 So I looked into crimes in Antarctica. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. This is a rabbit hole. Yeah. Okay. So under the 1959 Antarctic Treaty ratified by 53 nations, mm -hmm. persons accused of a crime in Antarctica are subject to punishment by their own country. And crimes have happened there because it's isolated and people go down there for long periods of time because you can only get in and out in certain times, right? Yes. Like so, from the bases in Antarctica. So I found a book entitled The Antarctic Legal Regime that was edited by, by Christopher Clayton Joyner and Sindir, uh, K. Sindir, which talked about the crimes in Antarctica. The crimes in Antarctica are range, a whole big range of crimes. Right. But there's very little theft. Because mm -hmm. there's just, nowhere to take it and go to. People don't bring a lot. Right. Especially a lot of va value. I took your blanket. I did. You can come and get it back because I'm just over here. <laughs> find that they did mention a particular crime that I thought would be unique, is but an, maybe not. Is it an axe murder? No, it is racing motorbikes through environmentally sensitive areas. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there are other places that are yeah. environmentally sensitive. Yeah. But I think I remember a story about people on a base. Somebody got homicidal over like somebody playing the same music all the time or something. Okay. I got two stories like that for you. Okay. Okay. First of all, 1959, the Vostok Station. Okay. Before I get to those, because those are the cream of the crop. Yeah. I do want to talk about one thing. Another thing in that book, because it, it, I, I read the table of contents, mm -hmm was an article entitled The Antarctic and Outer Space, an Analogy in Retrospect by Howard J. Tubenfield. Tubenfield? Tubenfeld, sorry. Okay. This guy, Mr. Tubenfeld, I would assume Dr. Tubenfeld, I would assume he's a lawyer, mm. has made a living using this analogy of how Antarctica and outer space have similar legal issues. Yes, that you that no one country can claim them like the moon. Like he you has, can't just claim the moon. For he one has country. no less than ten academic publications wow. on uh, on Antarctica and the and outer space. Every one of them starts like so. You know how like the poles are like space. Yeah. Okay. It, <laughs> so anyway. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. So two great crimes. Okay. Okay. In 1959, the Vostok Station, that's Soviet research station mm -hmm. in Prince Elizabeth land, okay? It was Princess Elizabeth for Queen Elizabeth, right? right? Is a scene of a fight between two scientists over a game of chess. That's right. When one of them became so outraged, he attacked the other one with an ice axe. But it's very not sure if... One died. It's all Soviet 1959. Yeah, not a lot of information sure. being shared. And Antarctica. Yeah. Right? Now, 
The 9th of October, 2018, a stabbing occurred at the Belisovshausen station. That's another Russian station mm -hmm. on the King George Island. The perpetrator was a 54-year-old electrical engineer who stabbed a colleague, a 52-year-old welder, in the chest multiple times. Mm -hmm. Okay, This is where it hits home. According to some sources, the attack occurred because he was giving away endings to the books. Oh, yes. That this guy had checked out of the station's library. Because they only have like 50 books. <laughs> and the guy that gets stabbed is ruining the endings. So what I've learned is you don't have a spoiler podcast in America. No, no, no. Other sources said the attack occurred in the dining room where the, the guy who got killed teased the killer by telling him he should get on top of the table and make money dancing. I want to say that one of the books they mentioned when the story first came out was Anna Karenina. Okay. That he ruined the ending of that. Now comes the best line of a, an article about this ever. Okay. Both accounts say the individuals were believed to be intoxicated at no. the time of attack. They've been drinking. They have, in fact, been drinking. I do have to say, though, now that I think about it, space and the Arctic are kind of similar. Remember that show that we watched called The Head? Yes. About the people on a base? Yep. And somebody gets killed? Yep. And it is kind of like a space station. Well, like, you can't just go outside and hang out. You can't really get away. You can't leave. They may uh, as well be in space. Also, there's John Carpenter's documentary, 1992, The Thing, about <laughs> Antarctic scientists who find a UFO and yeah. an alien. Well, and, and aliens versus predator. Where the they aliens find versus the, predator. The alien, the predator ship, basically the temple under the ice. And Yep. Yeah, it's been done, dude. I wonder... Yep. I wonder if those were written before or after that guy started making that analogy. I don't know. Oh, well. Then Cam swabs Pink Ted and they have a dinner party at, at the Barnaby's house. And I have a question. Is she a little overdressed she, for okay. that? Okay. <laughs> now, I'm sensitive to this because I do not think I dress appropriately for some occasions. Because I am so committed to being comfortable. I refuse. Really, it's shoes. I have yep. an issue with shoes. Yeah. I refuse to wear shoes that hurt, that I can't walk in, and be, the shoes dictate the rest of the outfit, right? You cannot wear chucks with an evening gown. We have, in fact, gone to a place where I've worn more expensive shoes than you. Yes. And, and I am always on the lookout for shoes that look fancy but feel nice, and everybody lies. Everybody yep. lies. No. Oh, these are the most comfortable stilettos in the universe. Whatever. I don't believe you. No, they're not. I've bought every brand of shoe, dance goes, yep. flu vogs, you name it. Yep. Expensive shoes that are supposed to be comfortable. Whatever. So because of that, I'm sensitive because I'm I'm always a down dresser. Yep. Right. I work in, in a part of a school where we get emails on a regular basis telling us what days we are allowed to wear jeans. It's a business school. I wear jeans every day. Yes. They just happen to be black, black jeans, yeah. so they don't look like jeans. Anyway, so when she shows up in her dress, which is cute, yep, and they're like two-inch heels, they're but they're stiletto two inches. They're not like pumps, yeah. right? 
She's a bit fancy. And here I am, casual Sarah, going, is that what you wear to a dinner party at somebody's house that you've never been to before? Yeah, it's the first time you're going to really your boss's house. Well, he, she doesn't work for Barnaby, no, but, but, but she doesn't know John and Sarah very well. Yeah. So do you dress up rather than dressing down and being the most casual person at the party? I think you dress up, especially She's, if you're a young person and you're going to an older person's house. And you're a pixie of a person and can wear stilettos and no problem. Yeah. But I'm looking at her going, well, you kind of dressed up, didn't you? Like... <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, Sarah, you think that because you'd never do that. You probably should. That's me. I just wondered if she was a bit dressed up. Can we even do best corpse? Yeah, there's no, we're not doing best corpse. No, we just can't. Can't I don't have any bad movies, but we do have to do after the credits. We do have to. Because it's weird. So after the credits leads to some strange things. Okay, because Sonny owns the house now. Mm -hmm. Not yet, but they have an agreement that I don't think Felix can get out of. No. Right? Will, Rose, and Sonny get together? No. No? No. She kind of tells him off, and I think that's it. So Felix sells the house to Sonny. Will Sonny still want it? I don't know. Caleb and Isaac kind of have no jobs now. Well, I don't know. I don't know if they'll get in that much trouble. And I think Bobby's going to lose the farm. The families of the bodies that Caleb and Isaac have relocated will be in support of them. Yeah, I think so. So I think they'll be okay. If they were doing those things without the family support, yeah, that would be a problem. I, but, at least one of those old guys who runs away from the pond is probably a barrister. Yeah, they got friends in high places. I think they'll be fine. Yep. I don't think they'll go to jail, and I don't think they'll lose their businesses. Bobby might lose the farm because frankly Sonny can turn on the charm whenever he wants but the way he talks to her he's an asshole yeah bleep me if you want i don't care he no. is no. he's mean he's mean to her ellie will she stay i hope working so. working at caleb's business i hope so because she obviously likes doing it and she enjoys her work she looks cute in a top hat yes she does she can pull it off yep I'm telling you, that show, the three of them, I'm watching it. Do you think that Caleb and Ellie ever ran ran into the Rainbirds? Oh, I would think that everybody would know the Rainbirds. Because they'd be competitors. They they would be competitors. Because they're in the same county. They could perform a ceremony for them. I would say they probably intimately know the Rainbirds. (laughs) I, I would like to have... The Isaac and Caleb show, and I would like a, a conversation in the car between them where Caleb talks about Iris Rainbird yep. and what he thought of her. That woman was all over me. <laughs> no, no, I don't want your little sandwiches. <laughs> don't want your ice sombreros. And that is Habeas Corpus, episode one of season 18. Yes. My, oh my, do we got a lot of stuff to talk about here. Sign up for the newsletter. It's fun. It's full of good stuff. Follow us on Instagram. Go to the merch place on yep. the, on the uh, Spreadshirt. We yep. got new designs with Sykes. Those links are all over the place. The Kickstarter's uh, past 50% already. Yay. So just help me finish it off. It'll if be awesome. If you're interested in yep. comics that feature girls and STEM and awesomeness. Yep. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and email. We're also on the Facebook groups for Midsummer and Acorn and the subreddit. Now, on the subreddit, this weekend was a thing. Mm-hmm. A young gentleman 
plays the Midsummer theme on trombone. Yes. It's amazing. It's awesome. Now, I didn't want to play it because it's his art. That's I'm right. I'm not going to take his art. Okay. But we're going to promote but him. I'm going to promote awesome. him and put it in the show notes. Yes. Because you should go listen to it because he does an amazing job. And you don't need to have an account on Reddit to see that post and listen to it. Yeah. Well, I'll post. It's on YouTube. I'll oh, post, okay. I'll post the YouTube. Okay. Link. So maybe yeah. people who play other instruments will do it too. It would be nice. That would be cool. It's a great instrument to do the theremin part because as that slidey bit. Yeah. I, it made me think that I should do a pedal steel version of it. So that would be cool. Yeah. And if you have ideas for what we should do for a holiday episode, yes. uh, what would be fun if we did a live episode? Maybe we would play live bingo or something. You Maybe. Could put, you could put the bingo card up on the screen and light it up as we go. <laughs> wow. That's I would a, be so intimidated by that. I would be afraid to speak. <laughs> that's that's an incredibly difficult technical thing that you just gave just me to do. threw it out there. Yeah. Somebody sent a note to us the other day that they were playing bingo and they won. So. <laughs> I don't think it's hard. Next episode, 106, uh, season 18, episode two, The Incident at Cooper Hills. UFOs. So that'll Military. be that'll be next Monday. Yes. So we'll see you then. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. You meant to kill that dolphin, didn't you? I did. You created that porpoise, corpus on porpoise. <laughs> because I wanted to eat it. It was delecti. <laughs> delecti corpus.